Hi everybody, Mitch here. We're going to talk about the Bardowski Player of the Month and the Brostone Goaltender of the Month. Of course, we're talking about our little challenge to the PIHL to see who's the best in the league for the month of October. We will be announcing during this podcast the winner of our Bardowski Player of the Month and our Brozone Goaltender of the Month at the top of this podcast. Once again, if you're interested in being the best player in the PIHL and getting the recognition that we are giving out, you must go out and have a great month of November. All you got to do is show up to the rink, play your heart out, we'll notice, and we're going to find out who the best in the PIHL is for the month of November at the end of the mo- November. Once again, good luck, and we'll see you in the rink. Welcome back, hockey fans. This is Brian Mitch Mitchell. I would like to thank you for listening to episode number 12 of the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. We're going to take you all around the world, but a little bit more closer to home this week with our Berg hockey coverage. Uh, We've got a mother load of information, but we're going to get you started this way. You can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. You can find all of us on Twitter at PGH Hockey Digest. That's the same for Instagram, SoundCloud, and you can find us on Facebook at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. If you want to, you can indulge in a mother load of knowledge available here at BergHockey.com. I just want to say happy Halloween. We are recording on Halloween night. A lot of tricks and a couple treats this week. I'm referring to hat tricks, of course. Had some in-the-ring coverage of the PIHL. I was out for three games this past weekend. Of course, one was a JV game, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, we've got a great show for you today as Gary Heeman is going to call in about this past weekend's RMURIT series. And we're going to have Matt Mamros back to give us the updates and bring us up to speed with the always peculiar Hockey's Headwaters segment. Andrew Wisniewski indulged in way too much of the Halloween candy today, so he will be sitting this one out. Uh, hopefully we'll have him back next week with a feature. Um, I'm going to have all the in-the-ring coverage from this past week. Of course, we had a big day on Monday. We had three guys out in the rink. Of course, myself at Ross Draper Ice Garden. We had Ed Major down at the Ice Castle, and Todd Hunter, Jared Todd Hunter, was up at Center Ice Arena. I've got the PIHL scoreboards for you later in the show, and that's for we'll show what happened the week that was, and all of the classifications update you on those statistics and those standings going through today, October 31st, 2018. This week, we're actually going to open up with a very special announcement. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about a contest for the PIHL players, something that we wanted to do to award our players that stand out and recognize them for their dedication to the game and their achievements, individual achievements. Um, And we decided that... Alan Saunders, of course, decided that we wanted to name our own player and goaltenders of the month. Uh, through the process, we were able to find two very worthy sponsors. Uh, of course, Bardowski, who's going to be our sponsor for the player of the month, and Brozone, who is going to be our sponsor for the goaltender of the month. 
Uh, they'll become the namesake of these inaugural awards. We are really excited about this. We put a lot of effort into figuring out how we want to handle it, and we want to keep that a little bit to our closer to our chest so that you know it makes it a little bit different. Um, as much as it may look like the individuals are selected by statistical relevance, we really did take several factors into consideration and to decide the winners. And <laughs> we had a group chat today between uh, the, the selection committee I'm going to refer to us as, and that's our in-the-rink guys. Um, and we had a back and forth. Like There was a big argument about who was the player of the week because at this point the goaltender of the week was pretty well set in stone. And we're going to go back and forth with that every... And I hope we have that argument because there's just a lot of talent out there. And we just wanted to say thank you for welcoming this opportunity for us to give you these awards. Uh, with that being said, on behalf of Alan Saunders and Ed Major, I would like to announce our first ever Bardowski Player of the Month Award winner for the month of October 2018. With a ridiculous stat line of 16 goals and 4 assists, Nicholas France comes to us by the way of the Meadville Bulldogs. The forward starts the season by accounting for all four of the Bulldogs' game-winning goals in their only four games of the season thus far, and tallied seven points in two games this season, once against Freeport and once against Blackhawk. I will personally be in the rink on Thursday, November 15th at the Barrel Ice Complex in Warrendale to present Nick with his award, as well as to cover the Bulldogs as they face West Allegheny. Our inaugural Bro Zone Goaltender of the Month belongs to, of course, South Fayette netminder Bruce Hardman. When we sat down to discuss who was worthy in the crease, we all came to the conclusion that we couldn't pass up his sparkling 985 save percentage in the four games that he's played, three of which were shutouts. In fact, the netminder has only allowed one goal in the entire month of October, and that was all the way back on October 8th against Wheeling Catholic. Ed Major will be in the rink on November 12th to present Bruce with his award before the Lions face South Park at the Mount Lebanon Rec Center at 7:10. On behalf of all of us at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, we would like to congratulate our winners on a month of great competition, and we will look forward to the best players of November. Could it be you? Now we're going to transition out of that into... Our collegiate coverage, of course, um, the Robert Morris men were at home this past weekend with RIT, and I was unable to make it to the island for the Robert Morris men's squad while they faced RIT due to a special in-the-rink drop-in that I will discuss a little bit later, and I had other business obligations, so we're going to bring Gary Heeman in to discuss the weekend that was with the Robert Morris men. Um, great talk with Gary about it every week, and, well, have a listen for yourself here with our Robert Morris men's beat writer, Gary Heeman. Gary, how are you doing today, my good sir? Oh, can't complain. Happy Halloween to you. Happy and Halloween. Get you getting all that candy corn that you love? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, I've been blessed to, to not get any candy corn, so I'm really up. I'm grateful for, you know, the factors in the world that did not bring me any candy corn because it would just be one, you know, more thing to throw away at this point. So. All right. All right, so we are looking at, this isn't a great transition, but it's an all right transition, the past weekend that was Robert Morris Men at the Island uh, that welcomed the RIT Tigers. I, unfortunately, was unable to be there this past weekend, but you were. Um, how did it uh, happen? How, what happened out there this weekend? Well, you know what? It was a, it was a really 
positive turn for the Colonials. Uh, coming into that weekend, you know, um, we've seen a, a really, uh, I don't want to say schizophrenic effort, but you know, an inconsistent effort from the Colonials so far this season. Um, and they've shown some flashes of uh, great things, like the win over Bowling Green, of course, at home to open the season. And Bowling, Bowling Green's a highly ranked team. I think it's still the only loss to the state was uh, Robert Morris. So there were some positives there, but uh, we, the back end of the um, the two-game sets had really not been kind to the Colonials, and that was due, for the most part, um, basically to uh, you know, a group of, of kids coming into a program that um, – collectively needed to learn how to play colonial hockey for 120 minutes. They took steps forward this weekend in a big way. Um, they didn't get rewarded with two wins, but um, they did uh, They did the job for 124 minutes and I think uh, 35 seconds. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, they, they really took uh, some big strides this um, this weekend. Came in and got a, a big opening night win on Friday night, yeah. 3 nothing versus RIT. And that was a, a huge win for them. And the freshman got him started off. Uh, complete freshman goal up front. So, um, Jeff Lawson, <laughs> the defenseman, number 23, Jeff Lawson with the goal there um, from Nick Lalonde, of course. And, um, you know, it, it got the Colonials off and running. Mitch, you should have seen the bench and, and the ice when that happened, too. I mean, that's, oh, uh, that, man. that's the sort of goal that, like, everybody from, you know, seniors, sophomores, juniors is just, you know, thrilled to death with jumping up and down and, and they had an extra spark that the that the RIT Tigers, who normally have come in here and done well over the years in Colonials Arena at the Island Sports Center, um, you know, I I was impressed by the way that they never really let RIT sniff a way to either tie or win the game once they got the lead. Um, they they really shut they put the clamps down on them hard and played Colonial hockey for sixty minutes and got rewarded with a three nothing win. No, I got to uh, mention it. Of course, they got a big boost on that defensive back end. Uh, big return this week for them, didn't they? Yes. Um, Eric Israel picking right up right where he left off. It was like he hadn't been away, Mitch. Um, you know, he, uh, he was a factor in, um, in all three zones. Um, was smooth getting out of his own end. Um, got pucks out of his own end uh, in a very calm fashion, but with purpose and precision the way uh, you'd expect. Uh, a puck moving slash power play quarterback slash a top level defenseman, but um, the shot on the power play, wow! It, uh, <laughs> he one time from the right circle, um, with the game one nothing in Robert Moore's favor, and really you could you could see RIT's legs kind of start to wilt a little bit after that one. Um, I, 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 you know, it was great to see it with that hard, accurate shot. Uh, you know, God, it, it was a, it's a, it's a big added bonus for the Colonials right now. I mean, it's like a, it's like getting a trade early on. You know, <laughs> you didn't have him to start the season, but. You get him back healthy a few games into the season. Like, wow, there's there's one piece missing, and you know yeah. that plugs it. It plugs in and plays very nice. As uh, Eric Israel always tends to do. That that's the thing about Eric Israel, though. He's not an overly uh, big guy, but he plays so much bigger. But yes. he also he he plays like he's six four, but he skates yep. like he's five ten, five eleven. It's one <laughs> of those dynamics. It's the strangest thing, and he he definitely plays so much bigger than he actually is. Absolutely. I, I think the undervalued part of his game is his spirit, and he, he, he makes contact. I mean, he's not afraid of it. He won't shy away from it. He'll absorb it when he has to to make a play, and then he'll even th he'll throw somebody around when he feels the need to. Uh, I've never seen him shrink, and that's a, that's a great thing to say. He, he battles. Um, in addition to all the, the skating, puck moving, and shooting skills, um, you know, Eric's been a, a pleasure to have throughout his colonial career and, um, getting him back in the lineup was a, was a huge boost. Um, moving on along to Saturday night, we, uh, 
got to, to bear witness to a great effort once again, but in the end, the Colonials come up one goal short, as in overtime. Sean Cameron, I'm sorry, I'm gave Valenzuela actually. Um, slices one in right from you know right from the, the left side of the net. Um, that beats Morales for the game winner in overtime with with less than 25 seconds left. Heartbreak for the Colonials, who had really given a great effort and yeah, just could not come through with one more goal. Um. So it was rough to, to come out of that one with no points, but you know, I liked the effort and they put up a, a season high 34 shots, which tells you the one concern early on going forward um, about their game, which was the fact that you know, goals were being hard to come five on five and they weren't getting you know full advantage of the opportunities they've been making by getting enough rubber to the net. Um, it looks like that's starting to take a trend uh, North now too. So this is a good, a good sign to see, even though the, the result wasn't there. The effort was there. Um, I want to give a tip of the hat to Francis Murat, who had an outstanding weekend, and the Colonial defense, too, that helps him out. Um, you know, to keep a team as skilled as RIT um, to a two goals total for a weekend says a lot about the facet of the game between goaltending and defense. And early on right now, I, got, I have to say it's a young defense, but some of them, Nolan Schaefer, um, Lawson has, has – moved in and played very well. Um, the younger elements of that defenseman that I thought might take a long time to progress, perhaps you might not see it really come into to a good gel until maybe December, January. It looks like it's um, it's ahead of schedule. Um, it, so kudos to, to the, the team defense, uh, the forwards back checking, and the defenseman, and also the Francis Brown, who made great saves when he had to this weekend. And they're going to have to look at that because, you know, you see one, one senior Leaving the lineup, Brandon Watt once again. Captain Brandon Watt is leaving the lineup. He has he's injured once again. And um, go ahead. Uh, yep. Yeah, you know what? That's uh, that's it's tragic to see, but at the same time, um, you know, and Derek's going to tell you, it's, it's also a door of you know, it's also a case of you know, he's still going to mean a lot to the room, but it's got to be the next guy forward. Um, oh, yeah. You know, this and, competition creates. That you know yep. that opportunity, and you know who's going to grab onto that and, and run with it, and you know you have a bunch of, you, of course, you have that big freshman class, but you're also looking at these sophomores and these you know, juniors, and also somebody like Kyle Horsman who is going to be able to make it into the lineup and be able to play now. Uh, it's right. going to be you, you have that opportunity now. You got to go in and take it. And you got to prove that you belong there, and that that's the type of stuff that you know they've been known for is to have that guy that's able to jump in and play. Whenever you need them, and that—that's that, something you have to look at. Absolutely. I mean, you look at what mean what what means to the team and what he does. I mean, of course, there's the leadership aspect of it, but you know, he's a he's a relentless and tireless penalty killer. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely works well in his own zone, uh, in neutral zone, and he can create chances also when he has to. Um, he's not afraid to to be around in that certainly, um, and he gives it a hundred and you know a hundred and 50% every time he's on the ice. There's the, mm-hmm. there's no quit in his game, and there's no slacking off in his game. Uh, Brandon Watt is a worker, and he takes pride in that, and he does a very good job. Um, you know, He's not afraid to block shots. He'll do a lot of detail work that, that he's done. Oh, there's those intangibles. You can't always, you know, not every player is the scorer or is a, you know, goes out there and completes all the passes. You know, not, not those guys don't always happen. You you have to have guys out there that do the grunt work and be able to uh, and do it well. And Brandon Watt does it well. Yeah, I mean, what you need are guys that um that relish the role and cherish it and you know and do it consistently. That's the thing. I mean, it's it's enough to 
to look like you're trying to earn a job by doing a lot of those details hard one night to try to catch a coach's eye. Mm-hmm. But to do it con- consistently over 34 games plus playoffs and do them for several years on end, that's a lot of selfless hard work, you know. And he um, he's really embraced the role and does a does a great job with it. All right, so we're going to jump ahead now. You, unfortunately, will not be here this coming weekend with us at the island. I'll be taking your place throughout the weekend. But uh, uh, we've got Niagara coming to town. Uh, of course, Eric Cooley and Niagara Purple Eagles are coming to town. Um, what do you got for us from the from the scouting front there? From the scouting front, I can tell you this much. Um, there has been a lot of retooling and reshuffling at Niagara. Anyhow, but no, what, we, what we've seen from the Niagara program right now um, in the first uh, two years of the new coach's um, residency is just a, a, a team that he's you know, kind of figured out and made a plan for where he wants that team to be mm-hmm. and is proceeding forward with uh, with speed and with precision. <laughs> and I tell you this much, um, from others I've talked to you know, currently – they also seem to see the same. They also seem to say the same thing, and that is that this is a team that will be very good. It's going to be very good sooner. It's already it's already very good right now. Mm-hmm. It's only going to get better, and it's stacked with talent that you know is very young, and plays at a very high level. Um, make no mistake, there's some freshmen in the lineup, and they did a lot of retooling this off season. This is still a very dangerous Niagara team that's capable of beating anybody. They got split with American International earlier this season. Took a tough loss to Penn State, but battled well in the second game and beat Air Force in Colorado Springs. If you can that's go to not, Air Force, that's not easy to do. Yeah, and beat you know the Falcons in Colorado Springs five nothing. Actually, by the way, you can shut them out in their home you know Canada Ice Arena. There, um, that's a that's a hard place to play. Um, you know, Rob Morris has had problems there over the years. They've had some successes, but you know they've gone for stretches without you know wins there too. Um, to get a young group up there in the Rocky Mountain air and take that one, that says a lot. And they lost the next night two to one. So they were battling there and they were in that game. Um, so you're not looking at like, you know, the top two or three guys offensively going, wow, there's, you know, there's the usual suspects. This is going to be a completely different looking Niagara lineup than what you've come than what you've seen before. But they did, bring, they did retain Brian Wilson, of course, in the net right now. He's supporting a one seven, six goals against average and has been playing lights out. Um, this is going to be a hard weekend for the Colonials to to extract four points from. Um, I'm not really going to say it any differently than that. But with 120 minutes, if they can play 120 minutes the same, you know, consistent, you know, level they did against RIT, I mean, I, I expect to take points out of this weekend definitely. And it's just a question whether it's going to be one, two, or four. But I, I, I really say it's going to be it's going to be a hard one to get a sweep here. Um, in Watch out for Niagara. It's it's, uh, it's all I'm saying right now. I mean, that's. It. I remember last year when I said AIC was kind of a surprise pick for me to to really turn some heads and you know have a have a great season that kind of was unexpected came out of nowhere. I feel the same way about Niagara. Remember AIC last year was within one game of making it to Rochester. Yeah. I mean, they were almost there. Um, you know, I look at Niagara very much the same along similar lines. I think by the end of this season, they are going to make believers out of everybody that isn't believing already. Um, this is gonna, this is gonna be a hard weekend to play and a tough team to play against all season. Um, yeah, the Colonials better come ready, and I know that Derek Schooley's gonna make sure that they're ready. But um, they're really gonna have to, you know, take heart into what they're doing. They're gonna have to work just as hard as they did against RIT in this series to extract, you know, two, three, or four points. All right, Gary. 
Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Uh, we will see you back in the rink in a couple weeks, I guess, right? Yeah, I'll, um, I'll be back for Penn State. I'll, I'll be away this weekend in Charlotte, but I will be back for the back end of the Penn State series. So, this is, And I think Big E will be joining us as well, so he's going to oh, come no. by. And, oh, no. That's gonna... Of course, Penn State's in the house. We're going to get an, uh, an appearance <laughs> from our uh, my, one of the Dirt Track, our Action Track podcast host, Big E. Eric yes. Westendorf's going to be in the house at the island for the Penn State series for the Penn State game on that Saturday night. I believe it is skate with the Colonials afterwards too. So bring your yeah, skates yeah. and have a good time. You know, you could go out and skate with the players, bring the kids out, have a good time with that. Should be a yeah, rocking should have a rocking time out there at the island. Gary, once again, thank you for coming on. Talk to you hopefully next week. I don't know if we you know, help us preview that series. But yeah. beyond that yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be back in time to help preview that. No problem, Mitchell. All right. Enjoy the re enjoy your trip down to Charlotte. That was Gary right. Heeman. I am Brian Mitchell. We'll be right back. That, of course, was Gary Heeman. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at GHeemanUSCHO. Uh, Gary, of course, will be taking a road trip down for the Dirt Car Nationals this weekend to Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'm going to be stepping in for him at the island while the Colonials are in their homestand with a weekend series against, of course, those Purple Eagles of Niagara. A couple details about those Purple Eagles, of course. Um, they're taking a lot of local talent recently. Um, of course, Eric Cooley, last couple years. And they have Chad Veltri, the former goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins Elite, playing, I believe, in Corpus Christi. Uh, he might be moving around a little bit. I will talk to Matt Mamros about that possibly in the future. But um, Definitely, uh, they're taking a lot of local talent. Of course, Jason Lammers, a Pittsburgh native, the head coach of those uh, Purple Eagles. Uh, Faceoff is scheduled for Friday and Saturday at 7.05 p.m. So please get down to the rink and check out those Robert Morris Colonials while they're in action. Um, the Robert Morris women, of course, uh, I'm going to switch gears here. Hey, they had a roughest version of a good weekend that I've seen in a while. Uh, Lindenwood came to town. They made the trek from St. Louis for a two-game set at the island. Um, Alan Saunders was in the rink for Friday afternoon's contest and saw the Colonials tie the Lions 1-1 in a game which the uh, Colonials fired 71 shots on starter Jolene De Bruyne. Um, that's a tough one to look at. It's, you continue to see these big, big, big shot numbers and the low goal, goal totals for the Robert Morris Colonials. I mean, they're getting the opportunities. They're putting them on net. But for the most part, I, it's not a finish thing. They're getting a lot of... They're running into a lot of hot goaltending, a lot of goaltending playing up. And Jolene DeBruyne's not a uh, not a slouch in the net. She's a, she's a great goaltender. And it's just one of those things where they're going to turn a corner here soon. You just get that feeling because they're putting in big numbers against teams and not being able to finish off but one of these days they're going to turn that corner and they're gonna start finishing it and they're gonna start finishing it in a big way of course uh remember last saturday against mercyhurst they were able to uh defeat the lakers who were j receiving votes in the top just outside of the top 10 uh 5-1 decidedly and then you look at it, and then you, you look at that and then you look at sunday then you will go into saturday afternoon's contest against lindenwood um, the hard work did pay off for them. It took a while. It took uh, took until the third period, uh, late in the third period, of course, where when uh, a cross-crease one-timer from junior J.C. Gebbard and a late goal on a fantastic individual effort by senior uh, Caitlin Sadaway 
uh, gave the Colonials a 2-0 victory. Um, Sadaway's goal was an absolute beauty. She came flying out of the penalty box and received a pass and made two moves that put one line on the ground and the other one chasing, left one chasing her as she fired a shot over the blocker of De Bruyne, uh, who really had no clue what was going on because the moves that she was making, I believe I sent a tweet out that, yep, Sadaway's out there breaking ankles again. But she can make a couple moves there, and she did it, and she just absolutely lit De Bruyne up on that shot. 2 nothing was your win. Um, and one of the stat lines that completely passed me by, and I didn't even realize it, it was the first career shutout in Lauren Bailey's collegiate career. Um, she's been lights out all season, and for the most part over her career, she had a couple ups and downs throughout the last couple years, but definitely uh, I was unaware that she had not re- been able to record a shutout. But, uh, you know, this season so far, she has a 222 goals against average and a 899 save percentage. But that, that's a misleading stat. The, the de- defense for the Robert Morris Colonials has been lights out and shutting down the, uh, the, op- the opposition. They've been actually holding them to under 20 shots a game. And if you include the one game that uh, I believe uh, starter Ariel DeSmet started, she only faced nine shots in her contest, so that takes that number down even further. So they're they're choking down on them defensively and absolutely opening up offensively, and that just one thing that's a recipe for success, and eventually that's going to start coming to fruition. And it was a tough opening uh, part to the season. Of course, you had a big contest. Uh, your schedule had a lot of um, out of conference contests against top ten teams. And they they were able to weather that storm without a major, major loss on their shoulders. So it's going to be an interesting way to see how this season ends here. Um, They're going to get another short-term test this weekend. Um, And I say that truthfully because every contest is a tough contest. I was talking to Alan Saunders about this. It's any given Sunday, any given day, any given rink, any given team. And that's the mentality that I've always been put into me is that it doesn't matter who you are or how big you, your program is, you can always fall. There's always a weakness, and someday you'll always go down. But at the same time, it's going to be a good series this weekend. They head to Rochester, the Gene Polisini Center, for a series against RIT, uh, the College Hockey America foe, uh, face-off from the Polisini Center, scheduled for 6 p.m. on Friday and 1 p.m. on Saturday. And... It's going to be an interesting series. They need to get the points in the conference. They were they've let three go so far, but uh, you don't think that this team's going to be able to do that much more. They've only got two more games against Mercyhurst. You got four against Syracuse, four against Penn State, two against Lindenwood, and now all four against RIT. So it's going to be interesting to see how the conference shakes out as we continue to move down towards the Christmas break. Um. We're going to use that as a nice little segment uh, for holidays because uh, Matt Mamros is going to be talking to us about his Hockey's Headwaters segment. Um, He's got an interesting uh, way of putting it this week, so I'm just going to let him take control of this one. All right, we are here now with Matt Mamros. He's bringing us our Headwaters updates for the players that have come through Pittsburgh, are in Pittsburgh, or are coming to Pittsburgh. Matt, how's it going, man? Well, happy Halloween, Mitch. This is, uh, is going to be a fun week because we have a special Halloween edition of Headwater. Oh, he's bringing in a, he's bringing in the gimmicks, folks. We got gimmicks coming out of this Absolutely. 
All right, Matt, what do you got for us? So let's look at uh, the Pittsburgh haunting the nation here. We got Luke Stork, if you remember him from Ohio State last year, put up a big numbers against Ohio, uh, Robert Morris when they came to the island. But he plays in the ECHL for the Maine Mariners now. Five games, he put up his first assist this weekend. He also played for Upper St. Clair High School and the Youngstown Phantoms. And the other guy I got from around the nation this week is Patrick Gall, the center for the South Carolina Stingrays of the ECHL, netted his first assist of the year as well. All right. Next, we got the uh, haunting the NCAA, the Pittsburgh kids. We'll start with the Sun Devil duo. They don't need any Halloween themes. They're already Sun Devils. Uh, Demetrius Kementes, the left winger for the and Calgary Flames prospect, had a five-assist weekend as Arizona State swept Nebraska Omaha in six to three and seven to two wins in Austin Lemieux. Also had a goal on the assist this weekend. And let's uh, jump into Atlantic hockey. Carter Eckbert, the Peters Township prospect mm-hmm. from uh, committed to Air Force. First career assist this weekend in a, a uh, win against Niagara. Air Force was shut out by Niagara on Friday. And Awiz read uh, about Connor Ford in his article on the website this week. Mm-hmm. He's up in Bowling Green. Nine points, four goals, five assists. He's a now, plus now, six. Now, now, Matt, just remember, when it's this podcast, he likes to be referred to as Andrew Wisniewski. That's an insight. Oh, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, that's right. Uh, I saw the uh, the quotation marks in the last uh, infogram several, yeah. several weeks ago. Yeah, I took a but, beating. But uh, we all that. know Andrew. He's, he's, he's a, a good great guy. guy he, he loves enjoy it. All right, what do you got here? Let's look at the ghosts of Colonial's past. Here oh, jeez. Go ahead. That's a, that's a clever one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cody Wido, let's, uh, let's kind of start over in Sweden there. Uh, Cody Wido is dragging. He's climbing that team out of the basement. They moved up from last place. They're now in ninth place in the league this week. Uh, 13 games played, 10 goals, 8 assists for 18 points. Good for sixth in the league. And he is tied for first in goals, something we've definitely seen him do at the Island over the years. Oh, yeah. And uh, Greg Gibson from the same year, uh, he's playing for Falcon in the DEL2 mm-hmm. in Europe. He's 14 goals played, 8 assists, for 8 goals, 10 assists for 18 points. And so Scott Jacklin from uh, Whitehead's Line, actually, is playing for Chameau in France with 14 goals play or 14 games played, nine assists, one goal for 10 total points. And Spencer Dorwitz of the Cincinnati Cyclones, he fell from first in the, the ECHL in goals, but he's still in the top 10. Let's uh, talk uh, Sad's brother, Dylan Sadaway. Caitlin Sadaway, of course, you know, plays for the women's mm-hmm. team and for Robert Morris. He's with, uh, Daniel Evans in Toledo, the walleye in the ECHL. He's got six goals and two assists. Good for top ten in goals in the ECHL. With He's in seventh place. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Evans netted an assist on one of Sadaway's goals this weekend. Nice. Uh, Rob, let's see here. Tyson Wilson of the Glassnow clan overseas again. He got four assists this weekend in the EIHL Cup. Brady Ferguson down in Newfoundland, 10 games played, 
Up, and he had four goals and four assists, so he got eight points on the year in the ECHL. Zach Lynch and Wheeling netted an assist this weekend in Wheeling's first win. He's up to four games played, a goal and three assists for four points. Baylor's open at home at West Banco on Saturday for their first home game, so it should be very exciting. Mm-hmm. I actually know a friend that's skipping Penn's Leafs to go down there. That's how excited he is for Oh, wow, skipping uh, Penn's Leafs. Yeah, you know, when Matthews is hurt, you know, that kind of dampens the mood a little yeah. bit, but I don't know how you can skip that one. <laughs> uh, David Friedman in down in Florida, the Everblades, he is still tearing it up down there. And Brittany Howard of the Toronto Furies netted her second assist this weekend. So she's up to two points, but, uh, you know, She's gonna start stockpiling points pretty quickly here. She, she's gonna I learn. Think. She's gonna learn that league. She's very cerebral. She'll figure that out real quick. Oh, absolutely! It's it's a very tough league. Some of those chicks are you know twice the height of the average college player, and well, you most, play with a lot of Olympians. Not, mostly, yeah, I was about to say most of them are Olympians and play on a national teams. So, all right, what do we got? Absolutely. Ghost. Let's go to Ghosts of Colonials Future. Oh man. <laughs> Go ahead. That's a great one. I'm enjoying this. Uh, Brian Kramer, the newest commit to Robert Morris in Corpus Christi of the NAHL. 13 games played, four assists, five points, and one goal. That is his first this weekend. Roman Kramer in Youngstown. He's starting to finally find a home up there on that third, fourth line rule that they got him playing. Mm -hmm. Nine games played, two goals, one assist, including his first assist this weekend. Cameron Haybear, brother of Grant. Up in Johnstown, they're on a nice roll. Uh, he's got 10 games played, five goals, 12 assists, 17 points. <laughs> and his te- yeah, he is he is on a roll. And his teammate Stolinski leads the NAHL in assists. I, so I mean, there's some good stuff going up I in was, Johnstown. Uh, Great hockey being played there. I was up there during their preseason game against uh, the the under 17 national development team, and they absolutely yeah. ad- Door Sam Solinsky. like they were uh, they were excited to get him back because he was I guess he was off somewhere uh, in in a tr- in a camp somewhere and he got sent back down. They were all excited to get him back. He he's just adored down there and heck of a little player that they have. All right, absolutely Slovakian native, so not not from Pittsburgh, but we'll we'll adopt him as our end. Oh yes, and uh, Connor McEachern up in Youngstown, teammate was with Roman. Nine games played. Five goals, three assists. He got eight points on the air. Looking pretty, pretty mm-hmm. good here. And let's talk about welcoming people to our spooky, spooky family. Oh, uh, Serena Zavaziak for the Pens Elite commits to Robert Morris Women this weekend. They announced her commitment. Mm-hmm. Joelle Falola from the Saskatoon Stars. Getting more players from Sass. That's always a uh, a great place. Mm-hmm. They're getting a lot of good ones out of it. A lot of good ones coming out of Saskatoon, uh, coming out of Saskatchewan Absolutely. and Saskatoon. But uh, she commits to the women's team. Tyler mm-hmm. Orbane from the Nippon Raiders. The Nippon Raiders. <laughs> the yes. Nippon Raiders. As you can see from my note sheet, my handwriting looks like straight spaghetti. Yeah, uh, I, I'm following the- along with him while he has it. He sent me this to go over it, and uh, yeah, it, it it makes my writing look legible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always great, you know, when people yeah. see your handwriting and think there is a significantly better. It's a, it's a great confidence boost, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Clegg is the newest 
member of the Colonials men's team committing from the Sherwood Park Crusaders of the AJHL. Not a league I'm very familiar with, but I'm I'm sure Coach Scully has found a diamond in the rough with that one. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's all I got for you this week, Mitch. I don't have anything else to add right now. Okay, that's good. Um, got a couple of these guys. I see your your notes on the players to watch. A couple of them actually just actually lift up of me, you know, uh, Ellie Markovsky, she's going to be Penn's elite future. Um, and, and I, I'm looking at this, and you, of course, uh, you have Annie Legue. He, She is uh, the cousin, as you're saying, of uh, Maggie Legue, uh, one of the tri-captains for the the women's team. And a couple of these names that I've noticed over the years for the PIHL, uh, Cole Orvitz, uh, Mason Proskin, uh and Jordan Rosenbaum, of course, right now of the uh, the Pine Richland Rams you have on your watch list. So definitely good to see, uh, you know, these names being a popping up, especially from somebody who doesn't, you know, normally cover the, you know, the high school or the developmental level. So you're seeing that. You're definitely seeing that there's that development happening and, you know, there's progression as we're go- moving on. So um, I like I liked the effort. Thank you so much, Matt. Good to hear from you again. I will talk to you next week. How's that sound? Absolutely, as long as they're not getting grabbed by the goalies. Oh, geez. Good luck with that. All right. Once again, that is Matt Mamros. I am Brian Mitchell. We will be right back on the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. Hello, everybody. Mitch here, and we are talking Mitch's Challenge. Of course, Mitch's Challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some a lot of the action, but also the student sections, because I want to see the, what you guys got out there. I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it. We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is, classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. And of course, Mitch's challenge is still in progress. We're still looking for the best student section in the PIHL, and it spurned some interesting situations and a couple of shout-outs to me have resulted in some pretty unique situations and locations for me. Of course, I'm referring to my Friday night drop-in up at the Lemieux Sports Complex in Cranberry. Um, getting chirped on Twitter isn't, ironically, the best way to get my attention. I usually ignore those, but uh, Garrison Dunn of the North Catholic Trojans Junior Varsity Squad gave me a reason to head up and check out the the Trojans, and I will tell you this much. I enjoyed every minute of that game, and the Trojan Army, it did not disappoint. Um, I made every attempt to quantify making the uh, Junior Varsity Squad eligible, and it took until I spoke with the coaching staff and they explained to me what it took to restart the program from scratch. And yeah, I'm gonna let you play, listen to that interview now, and then we're gonna I'm gonna have a little announcement right afterwards. I started a few years ago, 
uh, me and uh, another alumni, Chris Studebaker, were at an open house and we talked to, we both raised our hands wondering about the hockey program. And both Brandon, who's my son, uh, and Ben Studebaker was also on the team at the time. And started to get the ball rolling and Chris Studebaker and Dave Martin ended up getting it started most of it and I just did the coaching part. But uh, each year we progressed from last, first year we went one, first round of the playoffs, we lost one, one nothing in overtime. Second year we went in the second round of the playoffs and this year we just, our roster has grown. We're up to 23 players. So now we got to scratch players. So hopefully next year we moves up and we can have varsity and JV. So with that being said, I would like to express my interest in allowing the only junior varsity squad to be eligible as North Catholic. The North Catholic Trojans are now eligible for Mitch's Challenge. And I'll tell you this much, after watching them, pl watching them in action, they are a force to be reckoned with. Um, I would like to thank Garrison Dunn for inviting me and getting me out to the rink on a Friday night. Uh, I also got a couple tweets this past week from Indiana and Mount Lebanon's student sections. Um, haven't been able to get to Indiana, and I apologize. I was supposed to get there, but unfortunately I had some business obligations that I had to deal with and was unable to get to the rink for the Indiana-Norwin matchup this past week. But we've got a lot of really good student sections and it's just getting better, guys. And I appreciate all of you guys reaching out. And I hope I can get out to every rink to see every team's uh, student section this year. Because they have not disappointed to this point. And I am excited for the future. Um, of course, Ed Major was out there for Lebo. Alan is about out there for Lebo. And it's interesting. Um, but we need to get to a little bit of business here. And that's, the, that's your... Scores, standings, and statistics from all around the PIHL. So I'm going to get started in single A this week. We're going to rotate through and give everybody an opportunity to be first, opportunity to be last. Um, single A this week, we had 12 games on the docket. At Ice Castle, Justin Metric and Ryan Miller had two assists apiece, while five different Eagles scored in a 5-2 South Park win over Wheeling Catholic. An Aaron Burkhart goal with 119 remaining in regulation led the Indiana Indians past the Norwood Knights at S&T Bank Arena in that game that I unfortunately was unable to attend, but looked like an absolute thriller. Uh, Salvatore Cirilli had two goals for the Knights in that game. Shane Nolan, Jacob Giorgio, and Kellen Almaty had two goals apiece, while Jarrett Tomsevich led West Allegheny past Blackhawk 10-1 at Brady's run. Jared Todd Hunter had coverage from Center Ice Arena this week where Jacob Daly had two goals, including the game winner, to lead the Norwin Knights over Westmont Hilltop 6-4. In a high-scoring game, Slade Oles two goals were what mattered at Frozen Pond as he tied the game in the third and won it 15 seconds in overtime as the Freeport Yellow Jackets defeated the Deer Lakes Lancers 7-6. Alex Colfish netted three goals and three assists. David Gasparsik registered two goals and an assist, while Connor Hoffman had four assists in the contest. Shane Miller scored four goals and had two assists for the Lancers. My first in-the-ring coverage of the week took me to the Ross Traver Ice Garden, where the high-octane offenses and tremendous goaltending met in the rematch of last year's quarterfinal matchup. This time it was Ian Kumar in South Fayette who came out on top 2 nothing. 
Borough's Zone Goaltender of the Month, Bruce Hardman, stopped all 36 shots that he faced in that victory. They were celebrating the three state championship teams, Thomas Jefferson in 98, 99, and 2000. I uh, just wanted a little side note that that was awesome. I was got I had a chance to have a long conversation with John Zeiler's dad. Of course, Zeiler had played for the Los Angeles Kings and Thomas Jefferson, as well as several other teams in the area. And the the stories were amazing. And if you ever get a chance if to see something like that again, take it because there are things that you just can't. You know, you, you you may not be able to live, but people have lived them and they want to explain them to you, and that was just an amazing night. So thanks to everybody at Thomas Jefferson for putting that together. It was a great, great um, time for everybody. Got to see all the alumni, the ones that I do have noticed, the ones that, you know, back in the day, old coaching staffs, and, you know, it, it's good to see everybody get together for a, a cause and a community like Thomas Jefferson. It was a proud hockey history. So good to see you guys. Can't wait to be back at some point in the near future. In the next game, Jared Todd Hunter's night continued at center ice, where Zachary Solzek scored two goals and had three helpers to en route to a 7-3 Greensburg-Salem Golden Lion victory over Kiski area. Brendan Linderman netted a pair plus a helper for the Golden Lions. Richard Froelich, Froelich scored a hat trick in Dustin Gurjach had three points as Coach Shell's Montour Spartans continue rolling in the north with an 8-2 victory over Swickley Academy. Matthew Hadushevich had both goals for the Panthers. He can't score three goals, so I can't call him Matty Hattie there. I, it, it kills me inside. Jacob Giorgio scored a goal and added an assist, while four other West Allegheny Indians scored in a game against North Hills that they won 5-2 at Barrel. Justin Hickey's power play goal was the difference as South Park defeated Chartiers Valley 2-1 at the Mount Lebanon Rec Center. Sean Rechtenwald stopped 36 of the 37 that he faced in the victory for the Eagles. Logan Marnick stopped 45 of the 47 shots he faced in the loss for Chartiers Valley. Matsevi Kurilovic scored two goals and added two assists as Nikita Zabolski Scored two goals in a 5-2 Bishop McCourt win over Indiana. My second day of the in-the-ring coverage took me to Harmerville, where a micro Michael Kilmer hat-trick led Fox Chapel over Blackhawk 7-2. I also caught an interesting detail about this game, and this is not to discredit the Fox Chapel win. They, it was a great game. But this was another human interest piece that I, I always follow and I fall for because this is something that I love to see. Blackhawks captain is Abby Schaefer. And I've had discussions with PIHL historian, basically I refer to him as that, as Matt Popchalk. He was the one that ran all the information about, you know, with MSA and all that for a long time. And I, I talked to him a lot about this stuff. I'm comfortable with talking with him and the lack of foreseeable records. Unless somebody comes to me and tells me that I'm wrong on this, I'm going to assume this. Abby Schaefer is the first female captain in PIHL history. Not only in Blackhawk history, but in the PIHL. And that's a big detail for the league. It goes to show the progression of the league and as an all-inclusive league to include girls to play the boys' hockey. And I actually caught up with Abby after the game to talk about this honor, and I'd like to play a little bit of that interview right now. 
Uh, it's a great honor. The boys are really good to me. We get along good, and ever since I've been playing varsity hockey since a freshman, and they're all been like brothers. I've grown up with these kids, and it's an honor that they voted me as captain this year. Okay. What does that mean to you? I mean, from the from the standpoint of you know, as you know, as somebody who's come up through the system, through Blackhawk system, through the middle school, to become the captain of the varsity squad. It's a huge honor. I take it really serious, and it means a lot that. The boys don't look at me as like a girl and that I'm not superior to them and that they think like I can play with them and they all look out for me. It's a huge honor. Okay. Now I hope to catch up with her coach, of course her father, and a couple other people to get some more sources and some more information. But I'm going to be working on that story as it continues because, I mean, a story that big, I don't understand how it didn't get any traction anywhere. And I really am upset that I didn't follow up on it because, of course, last year, I had the article on, you know, the girls playing in the PIHL, and of course you had three, she was one of the three alternate captains. She was explaining to me she uh, she got injured in the first, I think the seventh game of the season. Uh, she broke her leg or something along those lines, but she was an alternate last year, and uh, of course we were talking about last year Olivia Sindrich with the uh, the uh, Carrot Cougars and West, uh, no sorry, um, Wheeling Park's Brooke McArdle, also was an alternate captain for her squad. So um, it's definitely coming on. And seeing that now there's a, uh, you know, a, a female captain moving along, it's, it's a big detail, and I, I'd, I'd love to be able to share those details. And some people might write it off as, oh, well, you're just fanboying about it. No, that it's it's where we're going with this with the league now. You look at the USA, USA women's hockey, and I'm seeing the crowds get bigger at Robert Morris, and that's just one of those things that, it's growing, guys, and it's happening sooner than later. Um, and <laughs> there's no way of stopping it, but it's happening. It doesn't matter. So we'll move along now. We're going to get into the standings as of October 31st. Um, Montour is all alone in the north as winter is coming. Uh, they have 10 points at 5-0. and Meville is hot on their tail. They were idle this week at 4-0. and West Allegheny sits in third, tied with Meadville. However, with the one loss, makes them four and one. In the southeast, Norwin leads with four to one record, while Westmont Hilltop is only two points behind at three and two. The southwest sees South Fayette leading Thomas Jefferson in South Park by two points at four and zero. Oh. The leaders in the scoring race are paced by Meadville's Bardowski Player of the Month, Nick France. Who has 20 points? Of course, there's 14 goals and six assists. I'm sorry, 16 goals and four assists. Uh, Montours Frilich and Swickley Academy's Hydukovic have 16 points each, while Shane Miller of Deer Lakes and Montours Michael Felsing are tied for fourth with 13 points. We had seven contests in Double A this week. Jackson Croc opened up with two goals and five points, while William Foley added two markers and an 8-1 victory over Quaker Valley for Mars. Daniel Mitchell stopped 17 of 18 shots he faced in the victory. Matthew Commendatore's three-point effort gave Hampton a 3-0 victory over Quaker Valley on Monday. Talbot Jacob McGee stopped all 17 shots he faced, earning the shutout. Matt, Matty Hattie returned to Kirk Nevin Arena as Matt Trzinski led the Hempfield Spartans past Baldwin 6-3. Aiden Edwards had a goal and three assists for Hempfield. 
Jackson Croc scored the final three goals of the contest in a matter of 44 seconds to lead the Mars Planets past Greater Latrobe at Barrel. Croc began the scoring with Mars down 2-1 with 1 minute and 27 seconds remaining in regulation. Ed Major's second game of his in-the-rink coverage saw Devin Rorick hat-trick be the deciding factor in a 5-4 victory over Penn Trafford. Franklin Regional defeated Plum 2-1 in overtime. Of course, there was no recap available online from the PIHL site. I apologize, I don't have that for you right now. My second in-the-rink coverage was on Tuesday, and it saw Pine Richland receive two goals from Jordan Rosenbaum and Will Stutt en route to a 5-1 victory over Shaler. Pine Richland and Mars are on top of the North and West at 5-0, while Shaler sits right behind them at 1-1-3. Moon and Hampton have four points each. Right behind them in the South and East, Upper St. Clair sparkling with a 4-0-0-1 record, while Latrobe and Hempfield are 4-1, only one point behind Upper St. Clair. Latrobe's Gregory Ferry and Upper St. Clair's Devin Rorick lead the scoring with classification with 14 points. Will Studd of Penn Pine Richland is right on their tails with 13 points, and a three-way tie between Hampton's Justin Adamski, Mars's Jason Kroc, and Pine Richland's Jared Egger to 12 points will keep the race very tight right now. Two points from first to fifth. Daniel Mitchell paces the tenders with a 946 save percentage, while Daniel Stauffer is right behind him at 939. Shaler's Darren Remizic sits in third with a 918, facing a whopping 182 shots so far this season. Philip Gagne with a 915, and Lucas Conisay with a 911 round out the top five. It was a light week in AAA. There were only three contests for us to talk about. Mount Lebanon welcomed the Cathedral Prep to the rec center, and Wyatt George sent the Ramblers back up by 79 with two goals and a 2-1 Blue Devil victory. Matt Beamsterbauer stopped 27 of 28 shots that he faced in the victory. A pair of contests at Prince Cape Arena occurred on Tuesday as Logan Ford and Cannon McMillan handed North Allegheny their first loss of the season as the forwards scored the last three goals of the game to secure the victory. And Matt Geica's weekly Peters Township Hockey on Pittsburgh Hockey Digest broadcast on Facebook. The Indiana, I'm sorry, no, the Indians of Peters Township spotted Butler a 2-0 lead. However, took it right back to defeat the Colton Tornado 5-2. You can watch all of those on our Facebook page. They are archived all the way back through last year. North Allegheny sits the top of this class at 4-1. Wow. Central Catholic is right on their heels at 3-1-0-1. Seneca Valley, Peters Township, and Mount Lebanon are tied for third with six points apiece. A pair of Vikings lead the scoring race as Ronan Junker and Anthony Perdue have eight points. Ronan Miller, Wyatt George, and Jeremy Anthos each have seven to round out the top five. Richard Carpondi and Aiden Campbell lead the way in AAA with a 9.55 save percentage each. Followed by Connor Strobel at a 9.38, Seth Faulkner at a 9.37, and Nick Goimon's 8.98 will round out the top five there. Division two had seven games happening. Let's talk about them. Central Valley trade trailed two to nothing with a 6.48 remaining in the game in Morgantown until Matt Vrankovich 
scored a pair of goals, and then Anthony Sentinelli sent everybody home with a power play goal with 52 seconds in overtime, and that capped the ferocious comeback for Central Valley. Burl and Ringgold exchanged a pair of goals in the first period, only to have Tyler Stewart come alive for a pair in the third. For the Bucks and Burl defeated Ringgold 4-2. Ed Major's first in the rink of the night occurred at Ice Castle, where five different Cougars scored en route to a 5-1 Carrick victory over Bishop Canavan. Joseph Forster stopped 42 of 43 in the victory. The Tyler Stewart Show continued to tour, this time to Hess Ice Arena, where the junior registered a hat-trick, and Dylan Zalonka added a goal and an assist in a 5-2 victory over Neshanik. Ringgold headed down to the ice mine and defeated Connellsville 4-3 in a shootout. Eberline, Todd, and Kalinowski scored for the Rams in regulation. Michael McKittrick had a pair for the Falcons. Quentin Smith had four goals, while Braden Phillips had a goal and four helpers from Morgantown in an 8-4 thrashing of McDowell in Erie. Carter Klein had three assists for Motown. Dominic Bartell had two assists for McDowell. Standings-wise, Burrell takes over sole possession of first place in the standings with a shiny 5-0 record, while Ringgold and Connellsville hot on the Bucks' tails right behind them, while Central Valley, Neshanik, and Carrick are at six points, four behind the Burl Bucks. Burl holds three of the top four spots in scoring as Dylan Zalonka leads the way with 19 points, followed by the red-hot Tyler Stewart and Ryan Brown of Connellsville with 16 points each. Jonas Sopko of those Burl Bucks has 11 points, and Gregory Hench of Connellsville has 10. Andrew Burkett leads the Netminers with a 9.30 save percentage, followed by Sebastian Skarzynski at 9.21. Evan Cook's 9.10 is good for third, while Joseph Forster's 9.02 and Carson Burkhart's 8.97 round out the top five. That was our PIHL scoreboard. I hope you enjoyed getting all the information from your PIHL games. Uh, I hope to do that throughout the season. I'm trying to bring it together, and I think that's finally the, the way that I want to go about it. Uh, I'm going to try to wrap it up here. We're going to get under an hour. I don't know how that's possible with everything that we had to discuss this week, but hey, we did it, didn't we? So um, I guess I'll go with this. I'll, I'll say goodbye now. For Gary Heeman, for Matt Mamros, for Alan Saunders and Ed Major, the selection committee for the PIHL All-Star. I'm sorry, not, ooh, not that. No, can't say that. The Bardowski Player of the Month and the Brozone Goaltender of the Month. Congratulations, Nick France. Congratulations, Bruce Hardman, for our, being our first ever Player and Goaltender of the Month. And please, work your butts off to become the Player of the Month again and because everybody's going to be on your tail. Bruce Hardman has a Brozone cleaning package for one month cleaning his pads. And Nick France has $25 gift certificate to Bardownski. Each one will get a t-shirt. Each one of them is getting the in-the-ring coverage based around their team. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. I'm Brian Mitchell. I will see you in the rink. Take care, guys.